for those that listen to this program Monday through Friday, we covered a lot of territory this week. And now as we come into our weekend edition, I want to bring all of these topics home. But most important, I want to give you some hope in spite of it all. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I am your host, Bob Bierman. This past week, we've covered a lot of topics. I know some of you only hear the program on the weekend. And I'm thankful for everybody that does get an opportunity to hear Truth to Ponder. I want to give hope in these troubling times. The stories we've shared this week, they are deeply troubling. Everything from the misinformation, disinformation that comes from governments that have lied to their people, the phoniness of many politicians that say one thing and willingly do another, and the general moral decay that we see in our world today. It can be rather depressing. But there are times we can't just focus on the things that go wrong. There are times we need to focus on what God's Word has to say about all of this. To talk about government censorship, things like digital currency, the fraudulent idea of climate change, which is just being used to keep you under control, to keep you in your 15-minute city. Any tool that can be used by globalists, and I will say the equivalent of Satanist, they'll use anything to imprison you. But the truth is, in the final analysis, all of this is really a spiritual battle. And the secular world, the non-Christian world, just can't see it. St. Paul writing to Timothy, young Timothy. You can find this in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And these are verses 1 through 3. I shared this yesterday, but I really feel I need to share it again today. And this is what it says. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Verse 2, speaking in lies, in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And verse 3, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So, let's realize the Bible has been prophesying these times like we're seeing today in unprecedented terms. First, people leaving the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I can think of major mainline Christian churches that fit that description. St. Paul writes elsewhere, heaping upon themselves teachers, hearing what they want to hear. Many churches have rejected the truth of Scripture. 
they are now embracing and celebrating openly celebrating the things that God abhors, that he forbids his people to participate within. And now these things are being bought inside the church. There are churches that participate in same-sex marriages. There are churches that think it's perfectly all right to kill a child in the womb, even though forbidden by Scripture. All these social issues have become their new doctrine, their new faith. And these are nothing but seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. Much of it, I use the term, recycled paganism. Moloch worship is abortion. Diana worship is worship of this earth. Ishtar is transgenderism where a a goddess can turn a man into a woman and a woman into a man. This is all recycled paganism that is being accepted now as science, which is the new religion of this age, that and materialism. And as we reject the things of God and we move away from faith, we create these new religions that are called secularism, which are still recycled paganism. Let's look at the second verse again. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Hey, our world is full of fake news. Even governments in the Western world have tried to suppress the truth and promote lies. We've seen it over and over again at unprecedented levels in the past two years. It's frightening. The world is awash with fake news, and what should be honest journalism is now compromised and has become nothing more than one-sided propaganda that's fake, phony, and fraudulent. The current global political scene is just full of leaders whose actions contradict their words and they don't care that they're lying they really don't care they're actually proud of their lies which tells me as the bible says their conscience has been seared with a hot iron they don't care they have no compassion they have no integrity they have no honesty And in many cases, I believe they are demonically possessed. That's right. They've opened the doorway, the gateway to satanic influence in their lives. And I really believe that includes many in the United States government in the highest offices in the land. Yet they talk a good game about we are believers. Well, there are a lot of churches, as I mentioned before, that claim to believe in God, but they've rejected that God. They have built for themselves a new God in their own image. And they worship this God believing they're worshiping the God of the Bible. They are worshiping demonic spirits in the things that they are promoting and saying and doing. And the third verse, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Now, I want you to think about something here. This climate change 
this climate change narrative that permeates so much of our society today tells us that we cannot use a gas stove, tells us we have to get rid of our gasoline-powered automobiles, tells us we need to stay closer to our, our cities and communities, travel less. And they want to promote the idea of getting rid of livestock. In other words, we don't, we shouldn't be eating beef. Maybe some fake meat, maybe some plant-based stuff. It's all for your own good and to save the planet. It's all a lie. Individual freedoms are being curtailed and our choices are being dictated. Whether it's about choosing a life partner or our dietary desires and habits. This prophecy reminds us from the Bible that everything was created to be received with gratitude by those that know and believe the truth. That's what this radio program has been doing for almost three years. At the end of this month, August 31st, we will enter our fourth year of doing the program Truth to Ponder. We need to take heed of this warning found in Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 3. Read them. Look them up. We need to stay rooted in our, in our faith, and we need to be rooted in real truth. Truth you cannot find in this world, you cannot find in mainstream media. Even in the United States, these so-called conservative politicians are often fakes, phonies, and frauds. They say what you want to hear, but then they don't do what they claim they will do. They stab you in the back. They lie to your face. And they have a seared conscience. Elections get stolen. I don't care what anybody says. Not a court case yet has been heard on any evidence, just procedure. Not a one. And so as we grapple with this climate change narrative to restrict our very movements and how we buy and sell things. Sounds like a beast system to me around the corner. This radio program desires to stay on shortwave. I don't want to be dependent upon the beast system of the internet. And I'm not putting this program behind a paywall either, as some have done with theirs. I don't want this to be a commercial venture. I don't want to be selling stuff to make ends meet. I don't want to be in the marketing business. I want to be in the truth business. I want to be in the gospel business. We've been doing this for almost three years. And so many of you have made this possible. But we are coming to a crossroad where I've got some decisions to make on the direction of this program. My heart says to grow it. Bring others to be involved in it. To be a better program, not just to give you news. There's so many sources for that. We can give you the news, but I want to give you the analysis. But I want that analysis based on the Word of God. So I ask you this question. Maybe this is the the time that you will give support for the first time 
to this program. You can do it one of two ways. You can either go online to our website, truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com. You can support us using Give, Send, Go, a Christian organization, or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. Mailing address is Post Office Box 510, Post Office Box 510 in Chilhowee, Virginia, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, and the zip code 24319, 24319. Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. Now, we have something special in just a moment. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The Tomb Disturbers coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. There was a decree issued by Caesar himself which said, in effect, you better not rob any tombs or disturb any tombs or else you're going you're gonna to be killed. We're going to execute you. Now, the strange thing is, of all the places for him to put this or where this was found was in Judea, as if the Jewish people of all people are going to be disturbing dead things. And of all places in Judea, it was found in Nazareth in the first century. So what is that? Nazareth was barely even, it's not even mentioned in the rabbinical writings. How did it get to the attention of the Caesar for him to put a decree in Nazareth? Well, undoubtedly, a report, a rumor came to him that had to do with a man named Yeshua of Nazareth and had to do with an empty tomb. <laughs> and if anything, and you know, this is the first charge that the New Testament even says that they they charged the disciples. They said, well, they, they had to steal the body. Well, all it proves is, there's no way they could have done it. All it proves is that the tomb was empty. But but nobody could have done it except God. You see, the only one who disturbed the tomb was was God, Messiah. You know, and if you are with God, you have to you have the same power and learn how to disturb tombs. <laughs> You've got the power. Disturb the tomb of the old self, the the old habit, the old situation. You know, God wants to disturb all dead things. You have the power to make things come alive that were dead. You know, the Lord changes death into life. You do the same thing. Go into that situation of death, shake it up. Go to the relationship of death, Disturb it. Go into that emotion of death. Don't let it just lie there. Go into that dead situation. Make it come alive by the power of God, my friend. Go in there and disturb that tomb. Want more? Ask for the resurrection on trial on CD. Now, the free gift for you. What if you discover the, the place where the lost Ark of the Covenant was? Well, a newly revealed ancient discovery just as awesome. The mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it. It's our free gift to you. And sapphires, daily spiritual vitamins guaranteed to revitalize your walk. Or a free New Testament. How do you get all this free? Easy. Just remember the real name of Jesus, Yeshua. And you dial it. That's it. So, to get your free gifts, just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. The Jewish people brought you the blessings of salvation. I invite you to join with me to bring it back to them. Bless those who blessed you to reach the unreached peoples from every nation and tongue. It's amazing. Through Shoei Radio, it's amazing what you can do. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. Just write to the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111. That's in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey. The zip is 07644. That's the nice Jewish boy box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, and the zip 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, disturb that tomb, my friend. Shalom Alechem in Messiah, Sar Chaim, the Prince of Life. 
is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I've been debating several things with this radio program over the past several weeks. Now, ever since we began our church project, I'm now the pastor of a small church here in Southwest Virginia called Trinity Chapel. Some people have really enjoyed the messages. Some people will ask the question, is it really effective? And surprisingly, it is. And I'm thankful for that because the Bible does teach God's word never goes out and comes back void. And so sometimes maybe people think that, well, you know, a church message on radio, does it really work? Well, we've been pleasantly surprised with the results. So I do want to continue giving you some of these messages, but I also want to continue to do this program in such a way, look at the news stories, some of the ones that get missed, maybe some of the ones you don't see the biblical nuance. That's what we try to do here with the radio program. And I want to thank all of you that have supported this program these past almost three years. I want to change directions in this part of the program. And yes, I do want to share a message that I gave to the congregation at Trinity Chapel last weekend. There are a lot of hurting people out there. Many people have gone through just incredibly horrific things in their lifetime, some in these past three years. Life is not fair. And I know that many, many people say, God, why do you allow all these bad things to happen to your people? Why is there such pain? How long do we have to deal with pain and suffering and grief and sadness and loneliness? I felt very inspired to begin a two-message series that deals with this very issue. And I can tell you the response from the congregation in sharing this message was overwhelming. And I pray that if you've gone through loss, through difficulty, through pain, through suffering, through anything that has brought difficulty to your life, I really believe you need to listen to this message. I believe for some of you listening today, this message could be a lifesaver. So I take you to the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia, for this message from last Sunday. Heavenly Father, as we come to you at this time to gather around your word, I pray you'll open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what you have for us this day. For this I ask in Jesus' name, amen. How many times have you ever asked the question, God, why do you let bad things happen to your good people? And why do the bad people seem to have all the better luck than I do? How many times have we said that? Probably 100% of us at some point in our lives... Sometimes even in recent days, we challenge that notion, why do bad things happen to good people and good things seem to happen to bad people? They get away with this, that, and the other. Everything seems to fall in place for them. They never worry about how to pay their bills. They never worry about sadness and sorrow, grief, and any misery. 
They're always happy on their cruises and everything else they get a chance to do. How many times have we heard that? I've said it many times. I'll confess. I was thinking of the book of Revelation during that that video, and I quickly opened up Revelation 6, beginning at verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. And their testimony which they held, and they cried with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them on the earth? And white robes were given to every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren should be fulfilled. The other day, before I even decided to do this series of messages, maybe it's a week and a half ago now, my mind was drifting back early one morning. Ever have like a twilight sleep where you kind of, you're awake, but you're not awake and you're daydreaming and you're kind of thinking about things that have gone by in your life. And my mind drifted back to the first time I'd ever seen a little town called Tocoa, Georgia. Never had heard of it in my life, but I'm applying for a job there. And I got it, spent some time there, got to know the community, worked at the radio station there. And finally moved on to bigger and better things, bigger radio markets. But I remember learning one thing about that town. It had a small little college, or it was called then the Tacoa Falls Institute, small little Bible school many years ago founded for people in the Appalachian that didn't have any money or decent education. It was founded way back. Golden Valley, North Carolina, then moved to this nice little piece of property with a 186-foot-tall beautiful waterfall. It wasn't much of a school when I visited it the first time in 1975. And I had met the president of the college at that time. His name was Dr. Ken Opperman, a nice enough guy small student body and they were poor for the Lord, struggling to train missionaries, maybe pastors, but still not much of a school. I remember suggesting to him in 1975, being that you are a school, you might qualify to get, you know, a small educational radio station to reach the community. Oh, we could never do that. Too far beyond us. Never thought much about Tacoa Falls Institute after that. We had moved away. I ended up taking a job near Greenville, South Carolina in 1977 at a radio station. Not so much a bigger station, but a lot more money. Good reason to go there when when you have a family. And we used to, on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening... You'd have to have lived there to appreciate this. We used to watch a, listen to a radio program out of Tacoa on a high-powered FM that that town happened to have called the Billy Dilworth Show. Just a local character did a radio program just about as hokey as hokey can be. 
playing all that good country music. And on a Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, we put it on for a while at the house. We lived about maybe less than about an hour away from Tacoa. Went to bed one night and I couldn't sleep. Ever have one of those nights where God wakes you up? This is, I mean, when you're in your 20s, you don't just wake up. It's one thing when you're in your 60s. It's another thing when you're in your 20s. You just don't wake up. But I did. And I'm laying in the bed at 4.30 in the morning on a Sunday, totally, absolutely wide awake. And I decided to get up and head off to the other side of the house where the den is. And I thought I put, you know, television stations were not on the air around the clock then. So I, I just put on, I turned the stereo on and I noticed the Tacoa radio station is on. They normally sign off at 11 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. And they don't come on till 7 o'clock. What are they doing on the air at 4 or something in the morning? And this little tiny bit of music ended. And this guy that I knew that worked there, not the world's greatest radio voice, was in there talking about many have died, roads are closed here in Tacoa. I'm going, What? I went and got my wife up. She's from Tacoa, Georgia. I said, honey, there's something going on down in Tacoa. And they're talking about an earthen dam broke above the campus of the college. And floodwaters 90 feet tall came ravaging through the campus, taking out the first floor of a dormitory, music building, and a mobile home park where many married students or faculty lived. Just wiped it out. I was working for a radio station, and I had been down there, and I used to be the news director in that town. So I got in my little car, which happened to have the call letters of the station I'm currently working for, and I just got in the car and drove down to Tacoa with my tape recorder. And I got there, and a bridge was about ready to collapse. I got across the bridge before they closed it off. And the sheriff recognized me. He and I had been friends from a, few years, a couple of years before. So I was granted full access to everything, along with one other TV reporter that they liked out of Spartanburg, South Carolina. The two of us had total carte blanche to, to look for bodies and everything else we needed to help them do. I was privileged to ride in the helicopter with First Lady Rosalind Carter to survey the damage and talk to her. What had happened, it had been raining for several days. The dam was saturated. It had been made and built back in 1911, just thrown together for little Tacoa Creek. And it had a couple hundred acre lake up there. Well, the whole lake just suddenly came down and across the campus. 39 people died that morning in the wee hours. You would think that would devastate that school forever. It didn't. It didn't. It was a watershed event for that school. People suddenly found the depths of their faith. How they can trust in the hardest times. A 
man that I worked with years later when I ended up at that school, developing the radio ministries we had talked about before, which became 10 high-powered radio stations around the country and a satellite network, reaching millions, not just a handful. The school went from 100 and something to almost 1,000. God turned a tragedy into a triumph. One of the men that I worked for just loved his Lord and had served as a missionary down in, I got to remember, Chile for a number of years. And he was inspired because of the radio station now to build a radio station in Chile, which we helped fund and get, get built for him. He lost his wife and two children in that mobile home. He was the only survivor. I met others that lost husbands or wives, especially in that area they call Trailerville, where these mobile homes on a beautiful creek never expected at that point a 40-foot wall of water to come pushing them through and piling them up all under the bridge. One of the ladies that I really got to know, she he had to know her. Years later, and I didn't even know the, the connection, but she had a sense of humor like I've never met in a person. And yet when I heard her story, it is an amazing thing how she could be so joyful all the time. She, watched, she was holding on to her husband as he was pulled out of their trailer never to be seen again until his body was found about a half a mile away. And at the funeral, for many of them, and at the graveside services, it was, it was really a service of celebration, not sadness. That one lady is quoted in the book, Dam Break in Georgia, which I've read numerous times, and you can actually see me in one of the pictures that's in the book. She stood by the grave of her husband and child and opened up with the chorus, it will be worth it all. When we see Jesus, life's trials will all seem small when we see him. I learned something from that woman and then I was very sensitive when being at Toccoa Falls College. We had a speaker come by to give a message during a missionary week, which they always did at Toccoa Falls. You know, bring in some missionaries. And this woman, I'd never heard of her before because of my upbringing. I wouldn't have, probably. Maybe you've heard of the name Elizabeth Elliot. Ever heard that name? Some of you may, some of you may not. She since passed away. I met her in the 1980s when she was well in age. But she and her husband in the 1950s served as missionaries in a very remote part of Ecuador where they still had primitive tribes of indigenous people, literally unreached by the outside world. And they sought to bring the gospel to those people in that remote village. And he would get into a little Cessna aircraft with another buddy of his, and they would fly to where that village was. It took quite a while, even in a Cessna. 
and try to develop a rapport with these people, not even knowing their language yet. One time, her husband and, and partner decided to fly in and, and you know bring some stuff with them, and the tribe turned on them and killed them and destroyed their aircraft. They found the they found everything. The authorities came in later. You would think for Elizabeth Elliot going, God, why did you take my husband? He was doing your work for your kingdom in that place. And you let those. No, she never did that. Instead, she redoubled her effort to reach those people. And she ended up reaching all of that tribe for, for Christ Jesus and translated the Bible into their language. She did a radio program for years that began just a short little five-minute devotional. You are loved with an everlasting love. That was her opening words every time she spoke. She remarried years later, but she never, she never angered at God for taking her husband who died in the service of his Lord for the work he really wanted to do and was so thrilled to do. Sometimes we don't understand the chastisement and things we go through in life. Look, I'm, I've lost a spouse. My wife has lost a spouse. Others I know have too. And we get angry. We say, God, why did you do this? Why did you allow that to happen? Yet we don't fully understand. St. Paul says we see through a glass dimly. We don't yet understand the whys. My grandparents had three sons. And one year, probably late 20s, rheumatic fever hit their family. Now, we know a lot more about how to treat it today. And we also understand the damage you can leave behind the younger you are when you get it. They lost their youngest son during his illness. His name was Alan. Yet they didn't lose their faith. Then in the 1980s, when he's only 50 years of age, they lost their middle son, who was working with them in the family real estate business. My dad, the oldest, is the one that lived the longest because he had been older when he had rheumatic fever, so the heart damage was less. It was heart damage. The younger you are, the worse the damage. Untreated. They didn't know how to treat it then. We didn't have the things we have today. My grandparents' faith, even in losing the two sons, never wavered. And I would wonder, how can you be like this? How can you still go to the house of God? How can you still? But they did. My grandmother shared with me that when my grandfather died at age 97... She knew there was something up. They were in a assisted living by that point. And he was having some health issues. And so he was in the kind of the nursing, more extended care. And so she decided to go visit him in his room. And she came in there. It's about 2.30 in the morning when God kind of prompted her to get up. And she said, I came in there. And he's sitting up in the bed, talking and reaching out talking, 
to Alan and Robert, the two that are gone, going, it's you, it's you, as God took him home. He passed peacefully. My grandmother said it meant the world is to know that. It just reinforced the faith that they had held all those years. Guy by the name of Horatio Spafford. You probably, maybe some of you heard that name. Yes, yeah, some of you have. He goes back to the 1800s. He was a successful businessman in Chicago, Illinois. A man of faith, but very successful. But he about lost everything in the Chicago fire. He decided to take some time, after trying to rebuild and put it all together, he decided to send his wife and his two daughters to England for a while to get away. They had family connections still over there. And at the last minute, he realized he couldn't travel, so he said, look, you guys go on. I'll meet you in England in about a month. I'll send, we'll get a wire to you somehow. They had ways of, you know, with boats going back and forth. I'll let you know in in about two weeks what my plans are, but I'll see you in about a month. He gets a telegram in his office weeks later from his wife, who has now made it to England. The message said, saved alone. The boat had sank and they lost their kids. And as he took the next boat he could get from New York to England, he had asked the captain where this other boat had sank when it went down. Now, I can't remember why it went down, but it went down. And when he found out, the captain let him know, we are roughly in the same place when that, where that boat went down. And it was just a wonderful, beautiful day, big white clouds. And the sea is just moderate chop for that time of the year. When peace like a river descendeth my soul, and storms like sea billows rise, You've heard the song, It Is Well With My Soul. He was reunited with his wife in England. They gave up everything and went into missionary service. In spite of it all, their faith never wavered. There are many times that my faith has been challenged. There are many times that I've, Lord, why did you let this happen? I spent time as a hospice chaplain. You'd be surprised how many people get angry with God. Oh, yeah. People that never used a bad word in their life. In front of me, used many a bad word. But you want to know something? God never stops loving you. God is not going to condemn you in your misunderstanding of anger. It's a, we, we're all, life is but a vapor, according to St. Paul. When I got a cancer diagnosis last year, it's like, this may not be good. But God has been wonderful. I'm my, 
urologist, uh, what is he called, miracle child. He had never seen a man with so much cancer in one bladder in his life that's still alive. And he cannot understand for the life of me. I've never seen anybody whose cancer that in that magnitude is still stage zero and one. And I can scrape it out. Doesn't make any sense, Bob. This shouldn't happen. Now, I may not live another year. I may live another 20. I don't know. But I've made a decision a long time ago. And I know that I went through a period of time where I was not a good, obedient servant of God in the loss of my first wife. Trust me. I had a really difficult healing time. But God was patient. He, he waited. He waited on me to get through it. And then as he bought me through it, and the years had gone by, and the peace that is in my heart these days, just like that woman sang at a graveside, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life, life's trials will all be small when we see him. When we see his dear face, behold him face to face. All sorrows will erase when we see him. Horatio Spafford, realizing that only a month before his daughters were taken, had peace. The peace that only God can give. I know that many of us, and I know many that are joining us today electronically, have been through things that we don't understand why. Why did you make my perfect life so imperfect? Why did this go wrong? Why did I have this disease? Why did my business go failing? Why did, why, why, all the whys. Why did you take my parents when I was young? Why did you take a, a, a sister or a, or a brother? Or for a parent, why did you take my child? My wife and I know somebody who is very bitter to this day because of a child that was lost. And it's because this individual refuses to acknowledge her Savior, her Lord. She is still living in that misery because she has nothing to give her peace, nothing to give her hope. She's living the hope of nothingness when it all ends. One last quick story. I don't want to be too long today. When I was a hospice chaplain. There are two people that stand out in my ministry. One, I was called to a house in a place called Blackburn Point near Venice, Florida. Really wealthy area. Guy's about less than my age now. He's on his deathbed. This beautiful monster house on the Gulf of Mexico. Big boat and everything else. And I come in there and the wife said, no, he's not the one that wants to see you. I need to see you. And she explained that when they got married, her husband was highly driven to become very wealthy and retire at a very young age and be very filthy rich and have a big boat and a golf course and move to Florida. So I ne- we never saw the, the husband for 20 some odd years. Worked seven days a week, constantly traveling, didn't care, was never around for the kids. But he put every dime they made 
into what would be an early retirement fund. And so the, she was just willing to go along with it, and they moved to Florida, hoping now maybe their marriage will be better and happy for the first time. And he's diagnosed with pancreatic cancer within a month of arriving and buying the house and settling in. And now he is on the verge of being dead that day or the next. And she wanted to know, I'm angry at him. And I feel bad. I said, no, you have a right to be angry. He abandoned you and your children growing up. And there's nothing I can do for him. There's nothing you can do for him at this point except pray. She followed up with me about six months after his death. She sold that big house, sold the boat, sold all the expensive stuff, had a big fat bank account, and moved back up where her children and grandchildren were now living, enjoying her life. Life is a vapor. We have no guarantee. It's like the guy, what's the, what's the Bible verse said? You know, soul of my soul, I'm going to build these bigger barns. Got to tear the barns now, man. I got it made. Tonight, your life's required of you. Then I had this other girl, 36, dying of breast cancer. She was now in a coma. And I came in. I was actually at a hospice meeting. This is a true story. And we're in there, and I'm wearing my collar. And this one nurse that I know comes in. Can we borrow Pastor Bob for a little bit over at the hospice house? We have a situation. It was a family at war, arguing. I walk in this room, there's this 36-year-old girl in a coma. And there's, like, noise going on, and I said, come on, can you come outside with me for just a minute? They see the guy in the collar. Of course they're going to listen to you. Anybody else? No. We went out to the courtyard. I won't repeat the exact words that I used because I'm, but it worked. Kind of like a drill sergeant. What's wrong with you people? You know, she might be able to hear you. Is this how you want her to remember you as she leaves this earth? Well, no. What is the big deal? Well, I wanted to raise her in the church and her dad really wasn't into it and she never was baptized and never this and never that and and I don't know what. And I said, I'll take care of it right now. Go back in the room, be quiet, talk happily, talk happy things. Called the kitchen, had some fine big bowl of water brought in and I baptized her there in her bed and she came out of her coma. Well, we did the little anointing thing, you know, to, you know, bless you. Uh, and the eyes opened up. Even I'm kind of like, <laughs> what's happened here? And within 10 minutes, she's sitting up. Still weak. Had a voice still not strong. And I, I said to her, I said, you know what just happened? She goes, yes, you just baptized me. I said, Okay. And, I, and she said, I need to spend some time with my family. She dedicated her life to Christ. Led her two errant, young, teenager-type kids to the Lord. Made peace with her parents. Died 48 hours later, quietly in her sleep. I did her funeral. 
at the behest of the family. It got so big they had to rent an auditorium when the word got out. 300 people at a funeral. 100 people came forward to give their life to Christ. Her testimony. Yeah, it will be worth it all. We don't understand today. And there's more to this story that I will share next week. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this time that you've given us to come around your word. Lord, give us peace when we are facing all the difficulties this life has for us. That you can give us the peace that only you can give. That the world will not give. Father, if there's anybody that is hurting today, give them peace. Give them healing. If there's anybody anger, take that anger away. If there's anybody broken, Lord, mend them today. And if there's one that's not been drawn close to you, lead them into your, into your kingdom today to be with all those that have loved you around your throne of grace. Father, I pray for this entire congregation. I pray for those watching that hearts be moved and lives be changed. For this I ask in Jesus' name and all the people said, Amen and Amen. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Sometimes a day seems long Our trials are to bear We're tempted to
life's day will soon be o'er. All storms forever past, and we'll cross that great divide to glory safe at last, and we'll all share the joy. Ponder with Bob Beerman. Well, I hope that message was a blessing for you. Maybe you're one of those that needed to hear that message. Maybe you've been through some really difficult times in your life. Loss, loss of job, loss of spouse. Yeah, I've met those that have lost a child. This world is not easy. This world is not kind by nature and that's why we have a savior we reach out to him in our darkest times our nations in the western world are going through some very difficult times a lot of it of their own making a lack of truth a lack of integrity honesty and an abandonment of those things of God that have sustained us for many generations being thrown away a lot of folk have drifted away from their churches for whatever reason and I'm going to encourage you the time now is to come back not push farther away sure churches are full of hypocrites and some people that don't act Christian I get it It's been that way since the beginning. The church is not a museum of perfect people and super saints. It's a place for broken people to come to be restored, to learn about God's word, 
to find hope in this in this life. That's why we do the radio program. That's why we do the church. I need your prayers. To do all this has been very difficult on me. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. I want to continue. And I want to know that this ministry, both the radio program and the church, are not merely attached to me. They become something greater than just the personality. And I want to see the reach extended on shortwave because I really don't trust the big tech companies of this age. We even learned recently that X Corporation, formerly known as Twitter, yeah, they're going to give you free speech, but the word is getting out. That doesn't give you a lot of reach if they don't like what you have to say. Sure, they'll let you say what you want, but who's going to see it? The same is true with podcasting. We're blessed to be on a number of services with this radio program. But that could change on a dime. That's why I want to remain on shortwave. I believe that virtually everybody that ever found this program found it first on shortwave. I would love to double the number of airings we have and reach places we've never reached before. I would like people that don't have a church where they where they live at to be able to worship with us even online as long as that door remains open. You can find out about the church at trinitychapelvirginia.com, trinitychapelvirginia.com. And every week, literally hundreds of people are worshiping with us live or later online. Maybe you're one. And as far as the radio ministry is concerned, I would love to be able to enter the fourth year of doing this program with new vigor, new direction, and more information that could be life-helping for you. Would you consider today, maybe for the first time, supporting us? You can go to our website, truththenumber2ponder.com. You can support us online or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, zip code 24319. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.